Greetings and welcome to the 50th episode of The Pod. My name is Mark West. Swimmer's ear, or more properly known as acute otitis externa, is an outer ear infection that many swimmers will have had at some point in their lives. However, it turns out that you don't have to go swimming to get swimmer's ear. Thomas Schrepfer is Assistant Professor of Head and Neck Surgery in the University of Florida Department of Otolaryngology, and he's also a keen diver and swimmer. I started, as always, by asking him about his relationship with swimming. I love swimming. I used to do way more swimming back home. So as you can hear, I have an accent, so I'm from Switzerland. And, and and I think I could swim before I could walk. Like, I just loved the lake. I grew up close to the lake, so I was just swimming, spent a lot of time in the water. Um, I never went into, like, competitive swimming, but, um, like, in school, I would participate in, like, school races and challenges. Um, and then I eventually went went into diving. So oh, wow. as a med school, in med school as a student, I started diving, and then I loved it. Yeah. Do you still swim now? Or do you still dive now? Both, not not as much as I want to, uh, but yeah, yeah, a little bit. That's great. And then, so you obviously moved into medicine and 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 whatever. Have you uh, have you had swimmers ear yourself? Once, as a med student, <laughs> um, it hurts. Um, it's mean. It starts like in the middle of the night because you you try to rotate. You may may actually lay on that ear, and then it, it really hurts. And it's it's just super uncomfortable. Um, Luckily, because I was in med, med school, one of my, my good friends, his dad was an ENT, so he got me in right away. Um, and then he he cleaned it up, put like a little mesh or a sponge in the ear and soaked it with the drops. And then within like two days, it was fine. Yeah, yeah. And so, and so how do you get swimmer's ear? You don't have to actually go swimming, do you? No, no. That's a great question. So it's humidity. Usually, it's always the same. It's like genetics or as a person who you are in the environment it's it's always both clashing and eventually so if you're predisposed like let's say you have eczema or skin condition and you're exposed to just humidity like florida which is incredibly humid then uh, it doesn't take much and the skin gets it just needs a tiny little injury and then bacteria that can just just go in and, and cause the inflammation a lot of so actually it's funny so when i um when I was a resident back, that was back in Zurich. Um, I had a fair number of, of patients that would like use their keys, the car keys to scratch the ear. Oh. It was itchy. Yep. <laughs> and it didn't do much damage, but that, that's enough, right? You, you scratch it and then, and then uh, bad things can happen. Um, so yeah, it, it, I guess it got the name Swimmers here because it was, they saw it more often in people who are actually exposed to humidity and water more often than the average person. Uh, that's kind of how you got it. Plus, it's a kind of a summer. Like in, if you live in a climate zone like Central Europe, where you have actually four seasons, not like Florida, um, then you see it more often in summer, obviously, because it's it's more humid, more exposed to water. Uh, where people travel, they go to the ocean, um, and then then they end up, they may end up with um, with a swimmer's ear. Is it uh, is it worse in like is it, is it worse in salt water compared to fresh water, or are there conditions where it's where it's worse? I don't think it matters that much. The thing that may matter, though, um, it's like how clean's the water. So let's say you're in 
let's say you're in like a, a Florida spring, like literally in the spring where you have this beautiful, clean water coming out of the soil or the earth, then you're probably okay. But if you if you're like in dirty pool or the ocean, then then it's more likely to to catch something. Yeah. And I, I read, are, are kids more likely to get it than adults? No, no, kids are un, very unlikely. It's more more adults than okay. Um, in children, I've never seen in a small child. It's usually like school children, maybe than teenagers, um, but it's not as common as in an adult. So this is an outer ear infection, isn't it? So it's it's different from a middle ear infection. Yes. So, so basically, if you go from the outside towards the center of your head, you have the the ear, the outer ear, which is cartilage, and then you have the ear canal, which is the first part is cartilage, and then eventually goes into the bony part, um, and then you have the eardrum. So everything all the way towards the eardrum is called the outer ear, external ear. Then the space behind him, the eardrum, and and towards the inner ear that would be called the middle ear space so that's where actually air you have air space because the middle ear is like a sinus so it's just a cavity filled with air so so you get a middle ear infection do you get that the same way you might get a, a virus like a cold or something that works its way into the ear but swimmer's ear comes from yep. the outside and the bacteria gets correct. into the yeah, into correct. the skin yeah. okay so what did i have as a child i remember as a child I had something. Oh, I was in about year seven, I think. My whole face sw swelled up. I couldn't hear anything. The doctor ended up cleaning it. I don't know that they do this anymore, washing it out. I think last time I had my ears checked, they kind of sucked stuff out. But, but this time yeah. they washed it out. And it was, uh, it was really gross. Um, I have middle ear infection in my head, but I, I wonder, was that an, uh, an outer ear infection? I don't know. It sounds like it. I mean, if, they had, if like the outside was swollen and affected and the head to had to clean your ear it sounds like a complete like a complicated uh uh ear infection or complicated external ear infection with maybe cellulitis even okay okay and i can remember so i wonder if i'm prone so are some people prone to it because this is when i read your article i thought maybe i might be prone to it because i've had this a couple of times one time it swelled up so much the doctor had to squeeze some he put some steroids on a on a, a gauze or something and squeezed and it in, sponge. which almost yeah. killed me. Um, <laughs> it hurts. Um, it hurts. Yeah. So yeah. am I more prone to it than, than others? Is that a thing? Um, if you're otherwise healthy, not necessarily. If you have, if you tend to have like dry skin, then yes, or eczema or atopic dermatitis, um, those people can be prone. And then it gets more complicated if you're like, if you're like sick, sick, if you have like bad diabetes that's not controlled or, um, immunocompromised, then then it can get dangerous. But yeah, certain people are just prone with with certain skin conditions. Or again, if you live like in a if if you're exposed to water or humidity a lot, then that may actually be sufficient. I suppose that's probably what it was because I swim a little bit, so um, I think I might have just got unlucky. And I can remember the treatment that I had, but what's the normal treatment for this sort of uh, condition? So. So if it's not completely sh swollen shut, then you can try eardrops. But worst worst case, it's so swollen that eardrops won't even go in, right? Um, so that's when you you can either kind of put in a little a gauze strip, so that if if you put in a gauze strip, you can kind of soak it with the medication. The medication eventually stays longer and has, can can work even better on the skin. And then. The second effect you get from the gauze strip or like a little sponge, if you pull it out, you get like the kind of mechanical cleaning. 
because what happens you, you immediately shed a lot of dead skin so it gets like you get it gets a mixture of like debris the rumen and dead skin and and then the medication may not work as well either so so best case scenario um you see so far like you, you mentioned with little suction you clean it out so that all the dead stuff is gone and then eardrops if it's worse and the eardrops won't go down then then like a little gauze strip or a little sponge they call it earwick i think it's a trade name yeah you can just shove it in there and then soak it with the drops and what about prevention i mean that sounds a whole lot more pleasant uh <laughs> I, I usually <laughs> um, swim with earbuds but i also read that that's not necessarily the best thing to do yeah you don't i i wouldn't um if the eardrum's fine and you don't necessarily need them i, I would not pluck the ear um so first of all dry it up really well just kind of rub it or some people they use like a little kleenex or toilet paper something soft they roll it up and then they kind of suck the moisture out or you can just do like a hair dryer and kind of gentle don't burn yourself but just kind of gentle blow it um or then the so-called divers eardrops which is nothing it's it's literally just diluted vinegar so so if you want to keep it low price and really simple you can do your own mixture you do one third um vinegar white vinegar one third uh, rubbing alcohol and one third water and then you can just put a few drops in there because what what happens with the moisture and irritation you, you kind of disrupt the um the balance like the, the ph balance that's supposed to prevent the skin from getting infected um and you can restore that with with some vinegar drops okay so that that's pretty interesting it'd be interesting to pull that out at the end of a swim to do to do that sort of thing yeah. um why do you think that uh earbuds are uh or why wouldn't you necessarily recommend them because you, you i don't think they, they really prevent from moisture that's number one number two because you can't really see yourself inside the ears so so let's say there's debris you may you may actually make things first but just going in, uh, in and out, in and out, and you, you may actually push debris or cerumen deeper. And then um, that can be a source of complication, like just a source of infection or source of pain even. Yeah, and that's the eardrum for such a small part is pretty painful sort of uh, sort of area. I don't think I've experienced, well, maybe when I had my appendix out, uh, <laughs> but much more pain than when, when, I, when I had that ear infection when I was younger. It was incredibly painful. Are there any sort of long-term effects of of a swimmer's ear? Do you think? No, no. It's it's almost always acute. You definitely feel it, um, and then you treat it, and you're usually okay. And then again, the most important part is to restore the the pH balance, the environment, to the environment that the skin needs to be strong and protective against um, infections or inflammation. And if you have and if you have it over and over, you definitely want to treat the underlying disorder. Let's say you have known bad eczema, like lots of flaky skin here. You definitely want to see a dermatologist and see if you if there's a way to treat it. Um, like in the acute phase, steroids are perfect, but you can't put steroids there forever. So you definitely want to kind of figure out what what you can do. Um, the other thing you want to make sure you're not there's no worse underlying disorder like the uncontrolled if you're a little bit older and have an uncontrolled diabetes that can be really bad um it's called otitis uh malignant otitis external or necrot necroticizing uh, otitis external is when 
the infection and the inflammation spreads into the bone. Um, and then that's that's a, it's a whole other ordeal. Um, you might end up being on antibiotics for weeks and weeks and weeks, or you may even need surgery and drill out the, the infected bone. Wow, that's that's serious. Do you yeah. do you see these sorts of cases very often? No, no, because I, I work with children. Luckily, they're way more resilient, not as sick. Okay. Um, they have. I mean, they, they can be really sick, but they haven't had years and years and years to like really jeopardize the immune system and all that. So no, it's it's rare in children. I've seen them in adult, and then it really depends with who you work or how you were trained. Um, here we usually get um, a radio like a, a scan that shows inflammation in the bone. And if that's the case, we usually team up with infectious disease and to tell us how long and which antibiotics to treat with. Okay. And do you see just sort of mild swimmers here in children very often? Like, is that something you're dealing with every day or is it, is it more? Is it no, rare? no. I think it looks like, it looks like the pediatricians, they can deal with that pretty well. Um, sometimes we see kids that have lots of, lots of ear infection or have ear tubes placed or a hole in the eardrum and the ear just drains. Because if you're draining ear from the middle ear, you automatically have moisture and exposure to to the skin, the ear can have skin. So they, they end up having both, like a middle ear infection and an associated outer and ear canal infection. So then they would just treat both. Oh, okay. So does the fluid from inside ever leak outside? Like, is that the way it works? Or does it leak back, back inside the middle ear fluid? Or am I making up anatomy right now? Oh, no. <laughs> so, so let's say you have, let's say you have a really bad ear infection, right? Like, Lots of fluid behind the eardrum, but the eardrum's intact. Um, so what you and it, so the pain, so the main pain you experience when you have a middle ear infection is actually pressure onto that eardrum. Um, and with everything, eventually pressure is high enough to burst the eardrum. So once you have a little hole in the eardrum, everything that that was like built up behind it, it just goes out and and it ripples down your ear. And the moment that happens, the pain is actually gone. So, so because the pressure is, the pressure is gone. Um, and if that becomes like chronic or recurrent, you can have so much drainage buildup or it continues to drain that you, that you really maturate or, or kind of damage the skin. Then you lose that protective barrier, the skin barrier, and then you, you may have with both milieu infection and the, the external ear, right. the ear canal. And the ear infection uh, and the, the eardrum that heals itself, does it? depends um usually yes if you have like especially in children they have like when it's winter they get snotty during daycare or school um they get middle ear infection it it gets treated or it may burst that heals fast like within days oh wow okay. um but if they if there's some other underlying condition or something going on that that continues to build up the fluid then it may not heal yeah but if it's spontaneous so usually just in my experience, spontaneous rupture due to media infection, that heals. That heals just fine. Um, it's a different story if they had like an ear tube, um, grommets for for treating ear middle ear infections. Or um I used here it's not as often, I wonder why, but back in training, I saw a fair number of children like um I think it's called a high dive when you jump into the water. Um, and then they 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 unfortunately they land unfortunately, so they hit the surface of the water with the ear. And then it's like a barrel trauma, so they, they burst the ears. If a traumatic burst of the eardrum, they may not heal by themselves. Oh, wow. So it's like a total um, rupture or, or is it pulling it Exactly. It's not the complete wall. eardrum, but it, it, it ruptures, and then you may create a little flap, and the flap gets flipped under, and then it can heal. 
So, so in the acute phase, if you see that, you then it's an easy fix. You can kind of realign the flaps, uh, stabilize if you the graft, and then you're good. But if uh, if if the hole persists, then you have to do a little bit of a bigger surgery and just re kind of partially replace that part of eardrum that's broken. Oh wow! So you can actually do an eardrum replacement. Yeah, I just did one this afternoon. Wow. It was a, it was a, it was a revision though. So I, I did it. I tried to do it for the ear. It's a child. So it was like, I don't want to make cuts behind the ear and all that. So a year ago, I did it through the ear canal. Use a tiny piece of this, the tissue that covers the cartilage here in the ear canal. And I used that as a graft, like as a new piece of tissue um, to cover the hole in the eardrum. Um, it healed partially, but then it ended up having a new hole. So today I came from behind the ear, then I drilled out the ear canal to make it nice and wide and open. Um, and then I used tissue that's covering the muscle back here, behind the ear. And that tissue is fantastic. So it looked it looked amazing at the end. So I'm, I have high hopes that it's going to heal this time. That's incredible. I, I had no idea that that was something we did. So the tissue is, you can use other parts. It's not too specialized that you can't use some tissue from other parts. It just has to be strong and, and be kind of a good, it has to be strong, uh, resilient, and because eventually this, the eardrum itself is the, the the outer layer is basically skin. So if you have a good graft, it will heal over, and you have your skin barrier again. Okay, and then so I just need I guess you need something that that vibrates that the the insides can can exactly. pick up. Yeah. Does does hearing return immediately to what it was, or does the brain need to do a little bit of work to interpret? new vibrations no it's i mean it takes a few weeks for the healing process um so we usually completely pack it with little foams so for the first few weeks you, everything is muffled anyway it's just because it's packed and the, once it's healed after usually i see the patients back after four weeks and it's usually healed but it's still thickened you may see a little bit of granulation tissue from the healing process so the hearing is better but not perfect and then you give it another four weeks, maybe a little bit of steroid drops if there's granulation tissue. And then after a total of eight weeks, usually I get a really good result. That's really cool. I, I'd never heard of that that before. I mean, I've heard of cochlear implants and, and that's the big in Australia. Yeah. The cochlear is a big company here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, um, and I'd, I've heard of other, of other delicate ear operations, but I'd never heard of sort of eardrum replacement. So that, that's really interesting. Right. So luckily everything, it's mechanical. It, it's... Let's put it that way, it's an easier fix than if it's sensor and neural. Like if, if the if the damage to the inner ear where the electrical part takes place or the nerve, then that that's another story. Everything that's mechanical, it's actually you get good outcomes. Let's put it that way. Is it do inner ear infections often cause issues to the nerves as well? Where where they might fail? Um it can, rarely. Um so especially in children that if, if you end up with a so-called labyrinthitis, if the infection, the inflammation spreads from the middle ear into the cochlea, like the, that snail-like structure, then that can end up really badly. Or if you have a so-called autogenic meningitis, um, it does not take much. So you have, it's usually the same bacteria, strep. Um, the child may have had an ear infection, but then and end up with a bacterial meningitis. Um, so those, it's not the extra bacteria that cause issues, it's all these inflammatory markers. So all the whole inflammatory process, it's so aggressive, it can literally destroy your inner ear. So within weeks, you may get, you may become deaf. Um, so you have, so those children have to catch extremely early. 
The other thing that happens because it's such a strong inflammatory process, the cochlea, which is surrounded by solid bone, but has like this fluid field. It's like a, like a tube, a curled up tube with fluid in the center where the hair cells are located and that creates our hearing. Um, that structure, that fluid field space may ossify. So may, may just turn into bone within weeks. And if that happens, then the outcome of placing a cochlear implant is poor. So you have to you have to catch those children. You have to catch the right window, and you have to expedite the implant if they need one. And that's something that happens in children more than more than adults. <laughs> is that simply because their bones are and they're, they're still growing, or is it just because it's earlier in their the, life and it's going to happen? They're more prone to ear infections. They're just more prone to ear infection than meningitis. I I think I've seen it twice in an adult. Um, and. One gentleman, he was interesting. He was actually, we think it was caused by a virus. I think he had, his issue was caused by a virus and there may be super infection, but he, um, he, whatever it, whatever it was, his cochlea turned into stone, like bone, solid bone. Wow. Well, I guess, <laughs> so that's not going to happen with swimmers here. Let's, maybe that's a, no, a positive no. thing. Um, although I suppose, yeah, if there's a burst eardrum, if the inflammation gets so bad, then it could the, in, the infection could sneak into the inside. Is that the sort of thing that might happen if, if it got really bad? Really rare. I I don't think I've ever seen that happen. Um, no. I think you have to be, you have to have an underlying issue if that happens, like bad diabetes or immunocompromised, then yes. Otherwise, no. no. Okay. Well, that's good news. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. out for a swim anytime soon yes Saturday. oh um it's it's incredibly hot right now um so me and my partner started doing we we got some new snorkel gear so we we just start we just go snorkeling in the springs whereabouts is that whereabouts do you go in in florida where we at there's plenty there's lots of springs um so last week we went it's called devil's den it's really cool we have to go down like a stairs and then it's it's below the surface. It's like a big, gigantic, almost like a funnel or like a, a pot. And it just crystal clear, beautiful 21 degree water. And there's, there's like, they're everywhere. So there's, there's a lot of them. Then the majority is like state parks. So you, you could just go there. And, and so the one that we want to go, um, the upcoming Saturday, it's called KP hole. It's in the Netherlands. So it's like an hour South west from here and it's it's a spring and it's connected to a river system and it is it's quite the current so we're going to do like a it's not a, because you're not diving it's not a, a drift dive but it's like a drift snorkel mm-hmm. so they drop you off and you drift for like an hour and one and a half and then they pick you up oh, that sounds amazing and i'm looking forward to that yeah, that's too big yeah and so it's fresh water that's fresh water yeah okay. and warm enough that you don't need a wetsuit or anything like that so I I almost never freeze because I I started again as as really children I started no, going to the lake. Right? You know? <laughs> yeah, I was I for me good temperatures like eighteen to twenty degrees. But my partner she's true Floridian, so even twenty five degrees she's like ah, it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for I mean it's constantly twenty twenty one degrees. So I think they said it's just gonna use a swimsuit. 
um, just like a, a five millimeter neoprene. Um, just because then I float, it's easy to float and yeah. I don't have to worry about getting sunburned or, um, yeah, getting cold. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much to Thomas Schrepfer for taking us through the ins and outs of swimmer's ear and also helping me understand a little bit more about ear anatomy. If you'd like any more information on today's episode, then get over to the website at www.thepodpodcast.net. That's www.thepodpodcast.net. Thanks for listening in. I'll catch you next time on The Pod. <laughs>